All right. We good this morning? Good, good, good. Let's, uh, let's pray and then we will get into the Word of God. Let's pray. God, you are the greatest of all time. Lord, you never change, you never waver, you never fail, you never back down. We've said it and we'll say it every Sunday. We say it all the time, God. Lord, you are sufficient all by yourself. Uncreated one, you are, God. And, and today as we come before you, Lord, and, and we're, we're going to dive into your word together, God, we just humbly ask you, Lord, to open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, and open our hearts to receive all that you have for us. God, don't let us miss a thing this morning, God. God, don't let us be caught up in the cares and the affairs of the week, God, Lord. But if, if we're hesitant this morning or if we're resistant to your love, I just pray this, God, that you would steal our affections, that you would sweep in and overwhelm us by your incredible, unconditional love. That's my prayer this morning, God. Let us see you in the text that our hearts would burn with passion and we would go out and proclaim your name to everyone in Jesus' name. Amen. Excuse me. All right. This morning, uh, if you have been here recently, we were going to dive in today to the book of Philippians. And all week I was gearing for Philippians, excited about Philippians, reading Philippians. And then um, the Lord, in his goodness and his favor towards us, changed my heart on what I need to say this morning, so I'm not, you guys know me well enough to know that his plan's a lot better than mine, and I'm not going to be that ridiculous to try to resist. So listen, I want you to hear this. If you had to title, if you're taking notes this morning, if you had to title today's sermon, it is, What Do We Do When God Seems Far Away? What to do when God seems far away? As I was approaching this Sunday, I, I, I was praying through the week and having conversation with my wife, and I said, it was just a day this week that I was kind of overwhelmed with, with just honestly how sinful I am, right? How, how bad I am and, and how my propensity oftentimes is not to fall into the Word or fall into deep travailing prayer, but, but my lean a lot of times is to, is to chase after things that sparkle and glitter other than God, right? And I know, like, I'm the preacher in the pulpit. I'm not supposed to be saying that, but that's true of all men and all women, like, even though we've been saved and radically redeemed by the power of the Holy Spirit, like there, there is in us oftentimes a desire to run back to that which glitters and sparkles rather than that which really satisfies in Christ Jesus. So I was having this conversation with my wife this week, and I said, I said, you know, I just kind of feel dry. I'm in this place where I'm, I'm just kind of dry, and almost kind of that David, Psalm 63, you know, oh God, you are my God, early will I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you, in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Like, I was kind of there, and I, I told her, I said, I just feel kind of ridiculous in my pride and in my sin, and, and, and I just feel distant, and, you know, my wife being the incredible, awesome way out of my league wife that she is, she's like, oh, baby, you're awesome. You know, you're the godliest man I've ever known. And I'm like, no, I'm sinful. She's like, I know, but I'm trying to encourage you. <clears throat> and it was in that moment that God began to shift my heart for this Sunday. So I want you to hear this. There are seasons in life, in the life of every believer, where things seem desolate and dark, moments when we feel far from God, less in tune, or more prone to sin and rebellion. The question that begins to surface when we walk through those turbulent times. And, and maybe you're here this morning, and if this is one, for just one of you, I'm okay, but I believe it blankets us all. 
moments that we struggle with our value or our identity, moments that we struggle with, with who we are in Christ or, or if we're being obedient to Christ or our sinfulness, these kind of questions come to the surface. Is this normal? Am I, am I even saved? Anybody walking with Christ? You could be walking with Christ 10 years or 15 years and then you, you'd be tempted in a certain way or walk through a certain suffering and you're like, am I even saved? Anybody ever been there? I'll raise my hand as the only one if that's okay. Where is God? Walking through maybe a dark or desolate time and this question kind of comes to the surface as the, as the heat's put to the gold of our life and the silver of our faith. The thing that kind of kind of begins to sift and the, 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 kind of the things that have been hidden, the impurities in our heart begin to come to the surface and they ask the question, where is God in all this? Does he really love me? Have I gone too far? And what we really want to know, I think the question that we all want to know in the room when we walk through things is, have I gone too far? Can I get back? How do I get back into that right relationship? How do I walk back into that place where I'm, I'm beating in tune with God and His heart is the rhythm of my heart and I hurt for the things that God hurts for and I have a desire for the lost? I think that's the question that kind of rests over us as believers. How do I get back to that place of purity and oneness with God? And as, as we ask these questions, as they begin to surface in our own lives, there's three things that rose for me that I want to deliver to you this morning. Number one, if you're taking notes, how do we get back? How do we renew the relationship? How do we write a broken covenant with God? Number one, we repent. Repent. You're like, TJ, you say that all the time. We always talk about it. Listen, it's the turning to God and clearing the air. So oftentimes when we stumble in sin, or maybe not even sin, maybe it's just busyness, right? Maybe it's just like, like you're cooking dinner with this hand, feeding a kid with this hand, talking on the phone like this. Anybody ever been there? You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's just the busyness of life that's kind of drawn you away from study or drawn you away from prayer, drawn you away from fellowship, drawn you away from true intimate worship with Christ. So when we repent, it's turning to God and clearing the air. Listen, repentance is necessary to begin our walk with Christ. That's the thing. We respond to the grace of God by repenting of our sin first. And a lot of times we want to leave it there. And don't get scared this morning. We're about to get into the Scripture. And I'm talking a lot. We're going to get into the Word. But a lot of times we, we want to start at repentance, but never really go back to repentance, never really renew repentance, and never really make repentance a part of our life. But repentance is necessary to begin our walk with Christ, and it's necessary to keep our walk centered in Him, listening to His voice. Do you hear me? Repentance is not a one-time thing that we do the moment that we get saved. Repentance is a daily dying to ourselves. So listen, how do we repent? We turn to God. Isaiah chapter 45, if you have your Bibles, you can race me there. Isaiah 45, verse 22 you say, how do I repent this morning? Did you have been following Christ? Do I get re-saved? No, that's not what I'm saying. The work is done. He saved us in himself, but we repent. 45, 22 says it like this. Look to me and be saved. ESV or NIV, if you're reading, says, turn to me and be saved. All you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. I have sworn by myself. The word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. That to me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall take an oath. Listen, we turn to God. 
Repentance in its simplest form is that we turn to God. You say, TJ, how do I write the relationship in my life? Or, or how do I renew my worship? How do I renew my faith? How do I begin the journey of being close with Christ and intimate with Christ and walking with Christ? No matter where you are, turn. Just turn. If you, if you feel you're drifting from Christ, if you feel that you're, that, that you're in that place where you feel far from God, because that's what the sermon is about today. What do we do? What do you do? You turn. And listen, the gospel is so miraculous and, and intricate that it baffles the greatest minds. But it's so simple that a five-year-old gets it and repents of their sin, okay? So it's this simple. Christ is your home. If you're at home and you head to the store and you forgot that you didn't put any clothes on, what would you do? You turn around, right? You say, TJ, that's a silly analogy. But listen, there's so many times that Christ is our home and we head out into life totally bare. We don't have the helmet of salvation on. We don't have the breastplate of righteousness. We don't have the shield of faith or the sword of the spirit or our, our feet shy with the preparation of the gospel of peace or our loins girt about with truth. We don't have any of those things on, but we walk right out the door. So what do we do when we leave home naked? We turn around and get dressed. If that's you this morning, if you find that in your life you're kind of driving away from Christ, unprepared, undressed, turn around. Come home. So number one, we turn. Number two, we confess. The book of Leviticus, chapter 26. Verse 40 says this. This is awesome. But if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me and that they also have walked contrary to me and that I have walked contrary to them. Do you hear this? This is a walking away from each other and have brought them into the land of their enemies. If their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they accept their guilt, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham and I will remember and I will remember the land. Listen, if you confess, he makes a promise and this promise is consistent from Genesis all the way through revelation the moment that we confess our sin is the moment that God rekindles the relationship do you hear me if my people can we go to another place I'll pull it from here if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven I'll redeem their sin I'll heal their land it's a promise in scripture you say, TJ how do I bridge the gap how do I get back turn around and then confess it's clearing the air. When I was in my prayer and in my time of study, that's, that's all that kept going through my head. Clear the air with God. I mean, we do it with people. Have you ever had something between you and someone and you show up at the same party or maybe it's a family reunion Oh, you and cousin so-and-so has been talking bad about each other and nobody really claim up to it, but everybody knows you don't like each other. And you kind of get to the family reunion and the air is just kind of thick. Anybody been in that room? Maybe it's a friend or a coworker, and you just kind of walk into the room and you're like, you ever heard this phrase, you could cut the tension with a knife? You know what I'm saying? And the air is just kind of thick. Listen, when we return and we confess to God, it gets that way between us and God. I mean, there's so much built up sometimes between us and God. Our, our 
unwillingness to repent or our unwillingness to, to confess our sin and, and all this, all these, and a lot of times, here's the thing, it's just assumed notions. It's not even fact. A lot of times when two people in the natural world will come together and confess their sin and talk to each other than to other people about each other, it's almost instantly sometimes that the air's cleared and you can begin to work through stuff, right? Anybody ever been there? It's the same way with God. When we come before God, we, we think, man, the, the, the tension's too thick. The air is just, the air is too thick between me and God. Listen, the moment that you begin to confess, He clears the air in grace. You hear me? He writes the relationship. Confession always leads to blessing. And I'm not, don't hear me well this morning. I'm not talking about just monetary stuff. I'm not talking about a new Bentley or a new boat. And that's not what I'm saying. It leads to blessing deep. Spiritual blessing, like we talked about two weeks ago, your confession to God leads to blessing because it leads to unity with Him. Would you be bold enough today to turn to God and to confess to God? Listen, we turn to God with ultimate confidence that He is who He says He is, and we confess with confidence that He's the only one that can handle all of our mess, and He is the only one with an eternal capacity, eternal capacity to forgive and to redeem. Do you hear me this morning? We don't turn to him and we don't confess to him thinking that he might forgive or presuming that maybe he, he might do something on our behalf. Absolutely not. We turn to God this morning with incredible confidence that at the moment we turn, he is with us face to face. Do you hear me this morning? The moment we turn, not we got to turn and go find him somewhere. The moment we turn, he is there with us face to face. And the moment we confess, he is ready to pour out a blessing and to redeem us and to forgive us and heal us. He's the only one with an eternal capacity. What does that mean? Every single moment morning, mercy is new for you. Every single morning, you can rekindle the conversation. You say, TJ, should I, am I supposed to repent every day? If you're anything like me, I blow it every day, right? There are days that I wake up and I, I hear the news and I'm already mad, right? Don't read the Drudge Report. Don't listen to Fox. Don't listen to CNN, man. They're all, you know, make you angry. There's always a need to repent. Always a need to right the relationship. There's always a need for you to begin your day and to, to walk into every avenue of life saying, I can't, but he can. And because he lives in me, he can live through me and enable me to do whatever he wants. We acknowledge that we have grieved and sinned against God. Here's the last thing in, under repentance, and we're going to move on. We acknowledge that we have grieved and sinned against the Spirit of God and grieved those around us as we chased everything but God in our rebellion. A part of repentance is recognizing this. We break God's heart. Like if nothing else, I won't, I won't talk about the... I mean, we could get real theological and talk about how, how Christ was on the cross and he, he removed our sin and placed his righteousness in us. And we, we could, we could kind of go that direction. But, but just, I want to simplify it. When we sin, we break the heart of God. And you say, why am I far from God? Well, because God's heart's broken and your heart's broken. He's broken over your sin. And whether you would agree to it or not, whether you would confess it or not, you're really broken in your sin too. And if you're living, listen to this, if you're living in a habitual sin, a thing that you will not war against or a thing you will not confess to God, you will never be satisfied. You will never be happy. You will never have everlasting joy. Even as a believer, you can walk around with a cloud over your life when it comes to unconfessed sin. 
Rekindle the relationship. Confess this morning. Acknowledge that you grieve the heart of God and possibly grieve those around you. And turn to him with confidence. Confess to him with confidence. He is right there face to face. Number two, if you're taking notes this morning, not only do we repent, but number two, we reform. That's the question we ask. Not only do we do we write our hearts? Do we center our hearts with Christ? Not only do we, do we repent, but we reform. And when I say the word reform, this is what I mean. We ask the questions in our lives. What do we need to change? What changes do I need to make? Okay, I've, I've confessed this sin. I realize that I'm far from God. Or I've confessed this brokenness. I've confessed this barrenness. I've confessed that I, I feel lost when I'm not in the Word or when I'm not walking in prayer or when I'm not fellowshipping with believers and when I'm not engaging Him in musical worship and, and worship through our daily lives and, and, and daily devotions. Like, what do I do, right? we got to reform. Listen, Matthew 6. I'm going to give you three things. And I, I could have just went on and on and on, but the last point is the most important this morning. So... There's three things that, that we, we reform in our lives oftentimes and we see when we turn back to God or we turn to God. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters for he will either hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or you cannot serve God and money. We reform financially. We use our resources for the kingdom of God rather than just building our own kingdoms here. I, I touch on that all the time, so I'm not going to go deep into that. We reform financially. We begin to ask God, God, what do you want to do with our money? Because listen, a lot of times, especially for those of you who make money and watch a bank account and make a ledger like we talked about last week, your heart a lot of times, I'll say this for me, my heart is tied to the amount at the end, right? And when the stocks are doing good and things are growing, I'm like, woo, if they go, no right? Pump the brakes. 401k took a dip. You know, I, you know, I mean, not for me. I don't feel that way about the 401k. I'm not there yet. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, don't we, a lot of times our value, our affections, emotions are tied to what's in the bank or what we have the ability to purchase. Listen, reform your finances. Modify them so that they exalt and glory God, not just that you're, they're a benefit to your end. I'll go on from there. I'll get out of your pocketbook. I'll get in your calendar. Number two, we reform our schedule. Joshua 1, 8 and 9. I know I'm jumping around. You don't have to jump with me. I'll say it. Joshua 1, 8 and 9. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written. Listen, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not encouraged you? Be strong in the Lord. Do not be dismayed. Be not, do not be afraid. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Listen, but you shall meditate in it day or night. We reform our schedule. You say, I don't have a devotional life. I don't have a prayer life. I don't have a time where me and my family are sitting in the scriptures or, or you know, I used to get up in the morning and do a devotion or I used to have a devotion at night. And you, Listen, if you feel far from God today, if you feel broken by God today, if you feel like you're in that place, look at your schedule. Does it need reform? Does it need reform? What can be moved? What can be shifted? What can be deleted so that you can put the Word of God or time in prayer or devotion with the family? You feel far from God. One of the ways to draw near to God is to be in His Word and in prayer. 
Reform your finances. Reform your schedule. Last thing, if you feel that you're far from God and drifting from God, broken by God, reform your relationships. Change some of your relationships. Listen, if you know and notice that every time you get around a certain group of friends or a certain group of people that your heart is pulled to materialism or your heart is pulled to things that you, you used to delight in before Christ or your heart is pulled to sinfulness and brokenness, it, change your relationships. That's the things that we, we have to ask ourselves. And those are hard questions. What relationships do, do I might need to change in my life so that I can, more delight in, I can delight more in Christ? What things financially can I change so that my heart and affections aren't tied to my money, but they're tied to God? What things in my schedule can, can I cut out so that I can invest into my relationship with God? We need reform. We need reform. The last thing this morning... We need repentance, number one. Number two, we need reform. And number three, if you're taking notes, we need rest. Last night, I was drawn to this word. And like I said, I've been gearing Philippians. Philippians in my mind, Philippians in my heart. I'm reading Philippians. And last night, this last point of this sermon, rest, it just hit me like a freight train. And I, I went to my wife and I said, Tay, I said, listen, I, I said, this... this Man, this idea, this thought of rest is my last point. Now, I really don't, you know, I don't want to miss God. I want, I want to communicate clearly, but I just really feel like this is the last one. I want to tell you this before we dive into the last point. I woke up in my devotion this morning. The Lord led me to one of my school books, right? Like one of my classes from seminary. I opened the book, and the whole first chapter was about rest. And I was like, thanks, Lord. So I want you to hear it this morning because I know it's straight from Him. Say, so how do we... What do we do when we, when we seem far from God or we seem distant from God or we seem broken in our walks? We rest. Number one, listen, rest in His love. 1 John 4, 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. See, that question does surface, doesn't it? When we, when we have times of, of darkness or times of, of, of heaviness in our lives, does God really love me? Like if, I, if you're sinning or if you're away from God or if you don't feel close, those questions, the enemy get, begins to whisper, does God really love you? Does God really want you? Does God really desire you? Does God really love? Rest in His love this morning. I'm, I'm talking to you. Rest in His love. A real kind of rest. A security who in who you belong to. Listen, love that is full of forgiveness. Psalm 86, I'm going to breeze through these. Psalm 86, 5, for you, Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. You rest this morning in love that is full of forgiveness. You know that when you bring all your baggage, he is full of forgiveness. Number two, you rest, you rest in a love that is full of freedom. John 8, 36, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We have been freed from who we were before Christ and freed from the agonizing rebellion towards God by his own irresistible grace. We have been free to love him. We have been free to serve him. We have been free to rest in that love. Rest this morning. Rest. And you say, Tina, what do you mean? You just told me to reform. Absolutely. But we can't have confidence in our repentance and we can't walk through reformation in our lives until we are resting in the sufficiency of Christ. 
If you get anything outside of this sermon, get this today. Rest in his love. Hudson Taylor, great missionary to China. Most of you have probably heard about him. He wrote a letter to his mom. He's in China, away from home, serving. He gave up his own culture. Didn't dress like an American, grew his hair like a Chinaman, abandoned everything to serve them. And he writes back to his mom. First letter says, I am broken as I realize how sinful and bad I really am. I'm mourning over my sin. I'm mourning over my brokenness. Next letter that is read in the book is to his sister. And he says, he says this. He says, Alas, all my striving and my fighting and my working, I get it. When I look at the unfathomable love of God and his deep love for me, I realized that I was striving in vain because all I had need of was to rest in him to rest in who he is, to rest in what he's done. So we rest in a love that is full of forgiveness. We rest in a love that is full of freedom. And we rest in a love that has been defined by sacrifice. I want you to hear this. We cannot attempt to unpack a love worth resting in unless we point to the reason that such love exists. This self-sacrificing love was an overflow of God's whole being and is a direct response to the justice that had to be leveled on our sin. We rest in a love. A love that is forgiving, a love that is faithful, a love that is full of freedom, and a love that was defined by sacrifice. You say, how much does God love me? How much does God want to right the relationship between us? How much does God want me back with him, together, connecting? Look at the cross. The love that you're resting in today, the love that you have the ability to rest in, is a love defined by sacrifice. And God gave it all. He gave it all to have you and to have me back. He gave it all. So we rest in his love. Number two, we rest in his power. In spiritual warfare, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We rest in his love, but listen, we rest in his, in his power, in spiritual warfare, in sickness, in personal injustice. Listen, Romans 12, 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You can rest today, regardless of relational strife in your life. You can rest regardless of spiritual warfare. You can rest today, regardless of sickness, because your hope is in Christ. Your, Christ, your hope is in a love that, that cannot be wavered, that cannot be shaken, can, that cannot be broken. You're resting in Christ. If you have repented, if you have reformed, if you've turned to God, you are resting in Him. You're resting in His love. You're resting in His power. And last point this morning, we're going to wrap up here. We rest. Listen, we repent, we reform, and we rest. We rest in the sovereignty of God. Colossians 1, 15 through 20 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Listen, He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in him the fullness of the Godhead was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile himself, all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace through the blood of his cross. Listen, all things. He was over all things that he might be preeminent. Listen, it is the sovereign plan of God to seek and save the lost. It's the sovereign plan of God to keep and sanctify the lost. It's the sovereign plan of God to work all things for our good. It's the sovereign plan of God to get glory from every atom of his creation so we can rest in his sovereignty this morning. 
in moments that we are far away, and this, this is why I end on this point of rest, because moments that we are far away, moments that we are walking through suffering, moments that we're walking through difficulty, we know that the pen of our lives is in the hand of the Lord, not in the hand of the enemy. Do you hear me this morning? The pen of our life is not in the hand of the enemy. It's not in the hand of others. It's not in our own hand. He jots our lives out before us. You say, TJ, are you sure? Psalm 139, 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you hear me this morning? Every season, with its ups and downs, the plenty and the want rest in the hand of God. Listen, we are drawn to repentance. We are spurred to reform. And we find the ability to repent and to reform in Him. And we rest. We rest because we are His. We are in Him. And all those things in Him are made possible and perfect. The reform, the repentance, and the rest all are found in Him. And they're all made perfect in Him. He's sovereign. He's your God. The only question this morning, and I'm going to close with this. They're going to come. We're going to have a time of, uh, of response. I almost said a time of reform. Probably that too. Will you turn? Will you modify a schedule? And get up 15 minutes earlier, go to bed 15 minutes later. Make the Word of God a priority. Make prayer a priority. But most importantly, outside of all these things, because I'm not going to teach moralism to you. I'm not going to teach legalism. I'm just going to ask you, would you be willing to abandon yourself and rest in the sufficiency of the sovereignty of God? Maybe let go of all the things you're trying to control this morning and just say, God, I want to rest. Let's pray together and they'll come. Father God, thank you this morning for being good, for being faithful, God, thank you this morning that in you we have the ability to repent, we have the ability to perform, and we have the ability to rest, God. You have given us rest, and you said in your word, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So we come this morning, God, not to work harder. We come this morning, God, Lord, not necessarily to to pray more, to do more. We come this morning to rest in you. We come to rest so that you might reform our hearts and you might walk us through repentance. We thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen.